<laughs> What's up to our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? Uh, I'm sorry, you were saying something? Let me just yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can tell JD doesn't give a shit what you're saying because he started going live mid-sentence. <laughs> oh, I love all of you guys. Uh, Conversation host, over. Johnny the <laughs> Johnny Destructo with me this week is Noel. Hi. And Len. And Brian. Hey. And my iPad. Ah. <laughs> uh, so um, we are here to talk about this week's books. But first, oh no, we have letter. We have a letter. Hey, letter? The letter. My iPhone is being used to show you the iPad. This is great viewing for the people at home. Len or Nold, say something Brian. to the people. <laughs> um, hey, people. Hey, what's up? Hey, great. Uh, uh, this week's Stargirl continues to be awesome. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really fun. And it's a good mix of new, like, update stuff, like classic Jeff Johns JSA style, and, you know, uh, which always means that they reference classic JSA as well. Uh, I'm really looking forward to where it goes. They've got a lot of little teasers in there that I know about, and I'm sure you guys would know about, but, you know, it might not be so obvious to people that don't know the, the source material. So I recommend it. Nice. Yeah. Um, Len, uh, these are these are for gutter talk, but since we're mushing the shows together, should we just read them? Uh, yeah, I have one from the Home Dad Abroad. And Ooh. I have one from... Oh, hi, Home Dad. Um, what's his nuts? Uh, 2814. Oh, um, can I... Can I really, you know what? I, I didn't think to say this when I actually had the chance to say it. Um, uh, <laughs> Carl Carl's messaged me asking how I liked The Phantom, and I have to admit... It fell to the bottom of my stack, and I haven't read it yet. So I <laughs> swear to God, I will read the badass issues of the Phantom that he sent for us from Australia. Have you read them? Nope. Yeah, I read. A, I read a few of the older ones that he read. Sent, yeah, I, I, I completely like. I was going through stuff yesterday to get all my books ready for today, and I was just like, oh, "Shit, I need to read these." Yeah. So sorry. I'm sorry. I did read um, Brown Fury. Was it Furious? It was. It was, was it brown? It was, it was pretty brown. Cool. Uh, we will talk about that when someone else reads it. Uh, <laughs> so we have a letter. This is from, you know, it doesn't say. It just says, it's from Sellington 2814. So I'm assuming that's the Green Lantern yeah. Triple. Yes, yes, yes yeah. it is. That's how. It's called Last Shop Standing. Hey, guys, it's your boy Charles in Chattanooga again. Recently, I heard y'all talk about what type of comic book shop would survive after this pandemic. And I have an example of one. There's a shop near my house called B&M Amusement that's been here going on 20 years, which is a great accomplishment. The owner, Buddy, is a real cool guy. He always has something funny to say to customers, no matter if they're regular or new. If you see something you like but don't have all the money for it, he'll let you give him like five bucks and he'll hold it for you until you have the rest of the money. He's even given me advice on how to fix a leaky toilet in my basement and how to replace my garbage disposal. During this pandemic, he opens his store for like five hours 
and always wears a mask and gloves. And since he has no new books, he's selling back issues 50% off. Now, I've been to another shop before all this happened, and I couldn't find anyone to help me find a particular book. Everyone was in the back room playing a D&D game or something. And the young lady behind the counter acted like it was the last place she wanted to be. So, of course, I never went back. I happened to drive past it a few weeks ago, and it was shut down. So, shops like B&M will survive this because they know how to treat customers, have a sense of community, and know how to adapt. Once again, keep up the good work, guys. Gotta talk! Nice. Did it? Is that it for me? Yeah. Yeah, man. We've been been saying from the jump that shops are are your third place. Like, it's not just a retailer so much as just where you want to experience and and geek out with people. So the places that are doing it right and want to will probably evolve to something, you know, like it's not a, it's it's, everybody online. That's just going crazy about it. It's a death nail in the industry and see and look, and they're all going in and good. Won't go broke. And you're all screwed. They're stupid. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest. uh, Comics are one of the earliest retail sort of things that I know of that you could always have purchased by subscription, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't, you don't ever need to go to a comic store. We go there because the store is, aha, there's a second half. We go there because the store is what we're getting, right? Like, we don't get the fun of going to JD's Stop by going to our uh, our mailbox. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like you go in and you chat and see what's new and, and uh, talk with like-minded folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what I try to provide here at the shop. I don't know that I'm always successful. Sometimes I could, I'm human. I could be grumpy. Um, but I do try to keep that in mind. Uh, I try to make the experience as pleasant and as lovely for everybody who walks in as possible and, um, hopefully make new friends while I'm at it. So, yeah. Uh, so thank you so much for writing us in. It means a lot that you're paying attention and that you're uh, sharing your thoughts with us. Uh, Len, you said there's another email. Yes, we have another email and actually technically two kind of emails because just as Noel was noting that Carl Carls uh, had messaged him. Carl Carls in our continuing war on world uh, words with friends. Oh, it is a, him. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, wrote me a comment in regards to um, in regards to our most recent episode of Gutter Talk, where we remember Denny O'Neill, who had recently mm. passed away. Uh, he also leaves left a comment about Brown Fury. He said, unfortunately, the comic book Brown Fury is a one and done. It's very Australian. Who else would make a comic book about sentient poop? Hopefully one day we will get more. Um, But as as far as Gutter Talk, he says it was a great show as always. I was saddened by the loss of Denny O'Neill and Gutter Talk was a fitting tribute to him. Excellent work. In response to meeting your heroes, my family and I went to Melbourne for Supernova, which is Australia's biggest pop culture expo. While my wife and son were excited to meet people from Doctor Who, Torchwood, and Smallville, which was cool, I will admit it, I was excited because I got to meet Mike Grell, Tom Taylor, Joyce Chin, and Art Adams. I had sent Art Adams a request for a sketch of Godzilla as my son is a massive fan. He did not feel that he could do Godzilla justice in the short span of time that he had, so he brought a print of Godzilla all the way from America 
to Australia just for me. No. Dude is a legend and one hell of a nice guy. Nice. nice. That's great. It is great. And we got an email from the home dad abroad. Oh, wait, uh, uh, Len, if, can I respond real quick? Um, speaking of Denny O'Neill, uh, sad news. Did you guys see Joe Sinna? Yes. Black. Yeah, original anchor on the Fantastic Four. And one of the only anchors that I've ever heard of. I know you guys are more well-versed in that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, I just wanted to give some recognition to Joe Sinna. Nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When you think about, uh, you know, we've often talked about how Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is the um, Mm kind of like the the style guide for DC in the 70s and 80s. Well, for Marvel in the 70s, probably late 60s and and the 70s, it was Joe Basima and his work was inked by Joe Sinnott. Like Mm -hmm. Joe Sinnott was everybody's inker. He probably inked everybody don't everybody gave him a lushness gave him a reality to their work i mean he brought really the reality to jack kirby's work mm. and um and thor he was his incredible work on thor as well he will he will be greatly missed 93 years young great mm. man mm, wow great man we also heard as i was mentioning from the home dad abroad who in the uh subject line is optimistic spoilers from the gutters JD and Len and the ever diminishing differences between cult pop podcasts. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> what a prescient email. <laughs> <laughs> right? You have no idea, Carl. You have no idea. Uh, first, allow me to say that I have been following you all in the traditional way as a podcast, the way the gods intended. Due to time differences, pandemics, and poor lifestyle choices, I am not one of those types that are free to schedule in the opportunity to watch other people chat on the phone. Oh, sure. By doing so, you're providing the chance to actively derail the show in real time, which is a compelling and tempting enticement in and of itself. However, diatribes of this caliber don't just spew forth at the drop of a hat. They require time and consideration for the soup con of wordplay to simmer and coalesce into a layered concept greater than its ingredients. It took me a second as well, uh, and I was soup con. Oh, is that a saison? Perhaps. Is that how you pronounce Susan. it? Susan. Susan. Yeah, Susan. Susan. Oh. I was like, what's a soup it, con? Oh, I think he, I think I'm mispronouncing it, this. It's when you order a soup, but they bring you just, like, meatloaf. Uh, <laughs> if, it's, if it's if it's language that's uh, that's all but dead, it's in Home Dad Abroad's emails. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And let us not forget that in the fugue world state of the past Ooh. several months, which with each of us living in our personal jello mold of social distance, time has warped and stretched into a confused mass of quantum strings that refuse to react to even direct observation, thus preventing many of us from the simple act of setting an alarm reminder for engagement with other (laughs) beings. That being said, fucking hell, douche? You brought douche back, you magnificent (laughs) bastards. The home dad abroad. So for anyone who doesn't know, back uh, before these suckers were on the show, I was doing this show with some other gentlemen from Ain't a Cool News, uh, Mark underscore L underscore Miller and Rob Patey, a.k.a. Optimus Douche. And um, they got they got jaded on comic books and split town. So I got these new invigorated lovelies to talk about comics with me instead. So it's a good uh, it's a good group name for us. 
the invigorated lovelies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a really shitty punk band. I can see that. Or like a Clockwork Orange style gang. Oh, yeah. Ooh, like, all right, man. Oh, oh wow! Never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Um, so, you can email us at coldpopgo at gmail.com. Did anyone want to respond before we move on? I mean, he's right. It's it's essentially you're watching us all have a conversation on the phone, and hey, content. Yeah, and you'll never know what gesture JD made you if you cannot see. True. Let's do something only visual. <laughs> Edit it out. We're good. <laughs> oh, hey, I like that. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, my buddy Jordan Crane designed some Black Lives Matter uh, designs, and we had them printed up, and we are selling them for $15 each. 100% of the proceeds are going to go to Why Not Prosper, which helps women getting out of prison reacclimate. Hmm. I think I want one of those Red Johns. Uh, I will let you know about what size. Great. Uh, let's move on to this week's books. Green Lantern, 80th anniversary, 100-page super spectacular, number one. From, oh, there it is. Ooh. From DC Comics. Uh, Ten all-new tales featuring the Emerald Knights. Also featuring this cover, uh, which looks like it was taken off the side of a heavy metal van in the 70s. <laughs> Yo, that's a van I want to be in. I know. I would yeah. totally rock this van. That's pretty good, man. So, a uh, quick breakdown. We have stories about Alan Scott, Hal Jordan, Sinestro, Green Arrow, Kyle Rayner, Simon Baz, Jessica Cruz, uh, sort of Guy Gardner, uh, John Stewart, and Kilowog. Uh, just a real quick question before we move on to the actual issue. Who is your favorite Green Lantern? John Stewart. Okay. No. I don't know. Oh, Jesus I mean, they're all Green Lanterns. You know what I mean? What? It's Hal. Hold on. It's Hal. It's Hal. It's Hal. It's Hal because those are my favorite stories. But if you took him out of those stories, he's pretty boring. <laughs> so by default, it's Hal. Okay. Brian? Uh, I think if I had to pick one, I'd go with Hal. I often prefer the like kind of earliest one that I knew kind of thing. You know, I know Alan Scott's obviously earlier, but... Like uh, the Doctor? Yeah, well, actually, David Tennant is my favorite doctor, and the one you, Eccleston was the, the one you are introduced to, or the one that you spend the most time with, or have the, the first memories of, is the one that's yours, right? Often, yeah, yeah. I really grew to like Kyle after the Power of Ion. I was so pissed at him originally. It was like, hey, who's this numbnuts? <laughs> Where, where's Al? You know, uh, but uh, I really grew to like him. But with GL, you know, you got all the crazy like other Green Lanterns that are out in you know out in space. They're always cool too. Ah, Kilowog. Excellent choice. Yeah, Max Mancini says, my favorite GL is Kilowog, you poosers. There you go. And then Christopher says, uh, Christopher St. Saucy Goodnight just said, uh, can someone say hello to me? I mean, we're we're doing a book that he suggested, so oh, yeah, there we go. chillax, my friend. Oh, did he suggest Swamp Thing? No, no, no. No. Yeah. Very good. No, no uh, uh, Atomic Robo is going to probably be our next book club. Um, <laughs> mine is... Um, uh, what's his nuts? Uh, the graphic designer kid, Kyle, Kyle Rayner. Kyle, yeah, yeah. And I really enjoyed going back and revisiting him in this uh, comic. Um, yeah. I, I, this, you know what? This whole thing, this whole thing was great. Uh, this lends itself really well to a uh, anthology series because there's so many Green Lanterns mm -hmm. and there's so many Green Lanterns that I actually care about. 
that this was wonderful. I would like this once a year. Just give me um, like a, a and sure, call it an anniversary issue, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just give me an anthology series about each of the Green Lanterns uh, and put some top tier talent on it. Brian, what's up? How about four times a year, JD? Like a quarterly, like a Green Lantern core quarterly. Too much. Would no, wouldn't be special. Wouldn't be special. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was this was um, this was phenomenal. Yeah, I don't think there was a I don't think there was a weak one for me. Every single one kind of touched on not only each lantern but each era of Green Lanterns. Yeah. Um, before we were started recording, I was thinking like which one was my favorite, and I thought of like three that were my favorite, and the other ones were just like, oh well, that was really good in that one. Like these are just just straight up great. Like yeah. what were the three though? No, what were the, um, the, the Alan one? Scott one, the Hal mm -hmm. Jordan one, and the Guy Gardner one? So the Alan Scott, the very first one, kind mm -hmm. of. Um, the the guilt of i guess alan scott's lover yep. dying during his origin cuz he's the, he's gay uh the or by sure yeah sure yeah. yeah they they uh it was it's the 40s so they don't explicitly say anything other than he's got a light in him yeah i saw that some society tries to put away yeah i saw some people online like well they hint at it they don't hint at anything this no. is 40s speak for He's, he yeah, you know, he's, like that. he's going yeah. to his boyfriend's mother's house because he was inadvertently involved in his boyfriend dying. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I'm not sure. Is this hinting? They're they're sitting together in front of a fire. Yeah. The so, hint. The hint is as explicit as the first scenes of a porno that they might have sex. <laughs> like it's it's that explicit. Um, yeah. Look at this. Look at this. They're hinting at it. Look at look at the silhouettes of these two men in front of a fire. <laughs> That's. <laughs> Or even there was a, there was a candlestick. The other one that I really loved was Jeff Johns, um, Hal Jordan one with Ivan Reese, mm -hmm. where Hal Jordan's ring is about to go out and he's stuck somewhere, so he has enough power for three messages. So it's this really really quick distillation of the character, who are the three people that he wants to talk to before he potentially dies, and then I really liked the Guy Gardner one the. The three remaining lanterns celebrating Guy Gardner. He made. I've only liked Guy Gardner in so much as everyone's response to him. Yes, <laughs> he is. He is a foil. Yeah. So highlighting him as a foil for a reason, absence is just perfect. Mm. It's a perfect way to show his worth. Um, yeah, uh, the rest of them were just really fun. The you're showing the. Um, the pinups, some of these pinups have like mm. literally been the best pinups of these anniversary issues. The yeah. the Raphael Grandpa, um, mm. was it Kyle or was it Hal? Either uh, way, the Raphael Hal Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple of Green Lanterns that I don't know of. So like there was that YA novel Legacy. Yep. For oh, yeah. um, for that kid who now I kind of want to read that. Um, they got Teen Lantern up in there. Uh, Joe is very represented, even though she doesn't have her own short story here. This. This was just spectacular. I loved I loved reading this. I actually took my time and read it over the course of like four days because I was enjoying it so much. Like I just read a short story and then put it away. It wasn't a marathon. This was nice. Len, what'd you think, bud? Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Y'all are stupid. This was crap. <laughs> no, the Alan Scott story was great. Um, it act and it of course, you can't go wrong. I like James Tinian as a as a writer. 
So I, I appreciated it, and I love Gary Frank's artwork. So I appreciated that. And Alan Scott is probably my second favorite mm. Green Lantern. So that was that was spot on. And I like the way of kind of retconning him as, as far as I know, I mean, I'm, maybe I've missed it, but they retconned him as being gay, which was something that was written into the new 52 mm -hmm. uh, Earth 2, like Earth two yeah. books, you know? So I liked them, to, like, you know, kind of putting that in there um, and retconned it in a way without overwriting his history. So mm -hmm. I appreciated that. I liked that story. I did like the story where they are sitting there, you know, years later and celebrating their, their lost friend, Guy Gardner, and it given reason to why Guy Gardner was so much of a jerk um, because he was he was being a jerk to take to his shots. He wanted to take the shots. And I appreciated that. I like that. Uh, I like that story as well. Um, and it was fun to see one of my favorite artists of all time, Mike Grell, return to the books where outside of the Legion, I fell in love with his art on Green Lantern and Green Arrow drawing that story again, right? So it was fun to see that, even though, I, you know, the art was kind of hit or miss, you know, Mike Grell's up there in age right now, and it kind of showed a little bit in his art, and his art was never the most, you know, uh, atomically, you know, per perfect uh, work. Anatomically? Either. Anatomically, thank you. Um, Everything short of that, and the Sinestro story was kind of interesting. I kind of like that one, but everything short of that, I just felt like, Ugh. I really, I just really didn't care. Um, the Jeff Johns Ivan Reese story, great art, but I think that it was BS that Hal Jordan on his <laughs> deathbed is going to send a story, send a um, a message to all of the Green Lantern Corps. Okay, that kind of made sense because it was saying goodbye, but also throwing a Hal Mary, like, if y'all can get here, bruh, come help a bruh. A Hal right? Mary? Oh. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then he sent it to to Cal Ferris, whom they haven't come up with someone else for him to love in the book. So, okay, that's his lowest lane. All right, I'm with that. But if you want to tell me that Hal Jordan on his deathbed <laughs> is not sending a message to either Oliver Queen or Barry Allen, yeah. and he's sending it to Batman. Yeah. Get the f out of here! <laughs> I don't care how much he feels, and I was intimidated by you and your cape. Get the f oh, oh, that's right. Um, our email is already cursed. Get the fuck out of here. That makes that is bullshit. That is Jeff Johns being lazy and sticking something in his story that he knows everybody's going to glean to, and they're going to start <laughs> writing whole articles just on those two freaking pages that he puts into this little six-page story. That was bullshit for me. And well, everything to be fair, I mean. This is like the third time this has happened to him this month, and he's already done the messages to all the more important people. <laughs> so now that this has happened to him yet again. I mean, maybe he should send one message to the core and save that power for breathing. Would be another thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You think? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or if you're going to send one message to the core, you know, as basically a how Mary, then how about a how Mary full of grace to all of the Justice League? Because yeah. maybe they could get there too. That right. made it was. 
bullshit. And then everything else in the store, everything else in here was kind of just all right. I like the idea of my man John Stewart, and you were turning to kind of like quasi the days of the Justice League cartoon with him yeah. and Hawk Girl. But even then, the story was like, meh, it doesn't really do anything. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're leaving on them walking out, and it says, for Dwayne. How? I don't understand it. I did, I was I was racking my brain. I read that story about three times trying to to. It was it was just his wife. His was wife was the writer. Wife. No, I understand that it was his wife. I understand that part of it was for Dwayne, but I didn't think that the story itself spoke that strongly about enough about their relationship enough that it. it I mean, yeah, it's cool in in sentiment, but I think in in execution, it it just left me wanting a little bit more. And and everything else to me was just meh in this book. I thought it was meh. I was like meh and, and, and needless. And I'm still waiting for my Lois Lane 80th anniversary. God damn I'm it. sorry. Done. I, well, I mean, you could just read the current series that's wrapping up now. In her 80th year, they've given her a 12-issue maxi. Oh, what up? Yes, I know, and I've read a couple of issues of it, and I'm it's waiting for the trade. I'm yeah. going to buy the trade. I buy trades, no, so I'm waiting for the trade. I'm just I will support Lois Lane. I'm I got saying. love for Lois. I'm just saying, they don't have love, love for Lois. She's been around 80 years, and they gave a book to Catwoman and Joker, and they didn't give one to Cat. We've gotten nine Batman books. Don't you? <laughs> I'm still talking. I'm going to keep on talking. I don't care who's on the screen. That's right, Brian. That's right, Brian. I love it. I love Brian. I'm a Muppet. That's right, dog. Yeah, it is Lois Lane all day, dog. Lois Lane. Oh, that was worth it. That was podcast. Saying saucy goodnight says Guy Gardner's vest is my favorite Green Lantern, dude. I have always loved Guy Gardner's uh, costume. Really? Yeah. Oh well, you're I a ben, you're you're a Ben Riley Spider-Man costume anyway. So like, I think that tracks. Yeah. I'll tell you, his, co- his costume was the first one that, that I remember that was kind of like off the beaten path yeah. of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you it's what, though. Cool. I also love Sojourner's um, costume, too. Yeah. I don't know where she has a pinup in here somewhere. And uh, I love her <laughs> costume by, is it Jamal Igle? No, Jamal Campbell. Jamal Campbell. Yeah. Jamal Campbell. Yeah, I wondered if they would do one of her because it's like, would that dilute the far sector book? You know I what I mean? Like, that's its own story. Can you just yeah. do, like, a quick story of her on the side? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, they're, they're still, like, uh, same with Teen Lantern. They're mm. still in the middle of those characters' kind of introduction. Right. So, right. I, I don't know. Like, I, mm. I was okay with them being represented, but not necessarily having their own story, because they literally have no history yet. History. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. X, XK Deathwish uh, commented, eat the rich. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, defund, defund, defund the Green Lanterns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Max says, do you guys have a favorite core aside from the Green Lanterns? Um, like the blue or the... I like the Black Lanterns. Mm. I like me some... You know, they're like, you know, the horror version of the Green Lanterns, and I'm a big horror fan. So uh, Blackest Night was one of my favorite Green Lantern um, storylines. And uh, watching all of those beloved old characters come back to life and try to eat your heart was uh pretty great mm-hmm. i think those are a lot uh, of fun. i like the blue green then blue mm-hmm. uh i because saint saint uh walker pre saint walker yeah saint walker was awesome the design was awesome and he was awesome and then also too during blackest night when the blue ring chose barry allen i was just like yes yeah. it was awesome 
Well, I, I also really liked how rings needed each other. It's blue that needs green, right? Yeah, well, um, they don't need each other. They Certain rings feed off of each other's energies. So blue supercharges green. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, red does something with orange and, well, and no, orange no, negates red. One of the rings doesn't work without the other – doesn't really work without the other lantern there. Um, I thought it was – Yeah. Um. I thought it was blue didn't work without green, but there, yeah, there's something. No, that, they both work. I think uh, it was it was the whole other thing, whole, right? Like blue can create constructs maybe when green's around or something like that. Yeah, but he can't otherwise. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've actually read a Green Lantern book that I care about. Uh, it was back during Jeff Johns's run, so I'm a little. The on other it. cores were awesome when they were first introduced. Sinestro Core War blew me out of the water, and then I, I think we're all on the same page. It was kind of like. Hey, maybe enough with the other cores. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was it was it was awesome from Sinestro Core all the way to Blackest Night. It yeah. was literally yeah. the best thing I've ever read or was reading. It was spectacular cool. introducing yeah. all these yeah. cores, yeah. and it was the rainbow, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Then, like the third War of the Lanterns for the next forty issues after Blackest mm -hmm. Night, I was like, Yeah, all right, yeah. Like it was the War of the Cores, and then yeah, the, the other colors, and then this and. Yeah, the man hunters. It was just like okay, you you keep putting them in war. It's getting annoying. The uh, I I when I was reading Alan Scott, I thought some of this seems kind of old timey, like the dialogue, right? And I went back and I looked up Alan Scott's first appearance, and he is on a train with a guy named Jimmy. And when he when he beats those crooks, uh, that is the actual dialogue from that from that thing, uh, which I thought was really cool. And, and also the fact that he is from the 40s could be a really interesting story point if he's in the present now. It could be like, look, I'm attracted to men. I never really felt comfortable, you know, like opening up even to myself about that. But now here I am in a new age. Well, they, and maybe they, I can now, you know. They did that in Justice League. Hmm. So um, there was that point in Snyder's Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, where um, – where, the to get the totality that was in three different time periods half of the league went to the past the other half went to the future and they dealt with the justice league or justice society and john stewart was having conversations with alan scott and alan scott made all kinds of illusions of um the other not being welcomed and john stewart being kind of part of his heritage makes him feel more hopeful for the future, mm -hmm. not having to hide in shadows, stuff like that. So like they, they were alluding to it all oh, together. Cool. Like the whole that's time. Cool. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. Could we uh, talk for a second about the Jenny O'Neill story? I, I loved it as always, you know, I love that sentiment, but I think it's uh, once again, particularly relevant where, you know, Hal notices that, Hey, you know, we, we leveled up to fight these really bad guys and maybe we are punching a little too hard, you know, and I needed to retreat. And he, he kind of sets it against, uh, throws Walden Pond. And, you know, uh, he goes off to another planet, uh, absents himself for two months and two days. And uh, I don't know, recenters, calms, and remembers what they're really trying to do is make the world better, not just beat up the guys that they see making the world worse, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's you could you could make that argument for any um, overly equipped or militarized 
sure. uh, force. Sure, you could and should uh, in many cases. Oh, and the things at the end, they got, you know, I, like every Green Lantern that I wanted to be there. I think there was one that, that wasn't. It, they had uh, Von Daggle in the in the core files who was from the guy gardener green lantern corpse story which i thought was awesome it was cool like covert before there were other ring colors they were like they just tuned it to green they were like oh we're gonna give you this violet powered thing that you swallow and then nobody will know you're a green lantern kind of thing the and the, the crystalline guy they had you know what mogo well mogo's an obvious one but <laughs> you know yeah, it, it, the the for for those who haven't read this yet, it does end with about ten pages of profiles, lantern yeah. profiles, first appearances, like an old school back matter, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. everything about this book is just I loved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fuck them because I don't see Gnort. Oh, there is no Gnort. There's Gnort. Uh, badge is there. Point. Sorry, Badge is there, but not Gnort. Yeah. He should be more. there. He should be there. He should be there. Uh, so neither is Tomar Ray, I don't think. Well, yeah, he's not. There is a representative. Uh, there's. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't. I don't yeah. care about what's her name from one yeah. issue of Grant Morrison's. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I I'm guessing because Tomar Ray has not been around for a while. That was how I excused it. I mean, I neither prefer. have ninety percent of those weird things. Yeah. No, no, I mean in continuity. I think he died. Right. Yeah, uh, but still, I. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're on the same page. I want Tomari there too. <laughs> Action figure expert yeah. wants to know: How come there were never any chill lanterns or brown lanterns? Maybe silver. Good question. Where's, where's the conflict in just being chill? Yeah. Hey, maybe that would be nice, though. Maybe they're around. You just don't read I about because they're not causing. Tried. There was a whole. There was a whole X Men event that the conflict was the fact that everything was perfect. Yeah. And it was the most boring goddamn thing to read. <laughs> so, what was it? Something, uh, age of, age of X, man. Fuck. That was terrible. Anyway, let's move on. Um, so next Buttons. up, uh, uh, empire mm. Avengers mm. empire. Number zero by Al Ewing and Pepe Larraz. Ah. Tony Stark wakes from strange dreams as old allies make a distress call to the Avengers. In the new green area of the moon, the Katati are waiting with news of a terrible enemy that could wipe out both them and humanity itself. The Celestial Messiah has returned, but are the Avengers ready to hear his message? Mm. Hmm. He seemed pretty ready. Yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty stoked about it. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> there's some weird stuff going on here with Tony Stark. Uh, he does not seem in character, and I'm assuming that is on purpose. I'm assuming there's mm. some sort of um, pollen that has infiltrated his suit and is making him more susceptible to uh, worshiping this new character. Feels very strange, very weird. Um, I also I wish Jimmy Chung did more interiors. I would. Oh, you from looking at the cover, like oh, yeah, yeah. That being said, Pepe Larraz, when I when I saw that he was attached to this book, I got 50% more excited. Uh, he had done some of the stuff for House of X, Powers of Ten, and he's one of my new favorite contemporary artists. Uh, the work here is awesome. Very well done. The story is fine, um, but man, do I love I love the art. Oh, it's a beautiful book. Yeah. yeah. It is gorgeous. Yeah. The, um, the, stuff with, uh, the stuff with Tony Stark is a bit in line with what's going on in, in the Avengers title. Like, he had come back from the future 
or from the far past. Either way, very different and weird, kind of existential. Like, what does it all mean and where's my part in it? So this kind of, like, if he is being influenced, it still kind of tracks. So wait, um, I'm sorry. How does this tie into twenty man or Iron Man twenty twenty? I have no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Avengers. I don't know how it oh. ties into twenty. Because it doesn't seem to be related at all to what's happening to Iron Man in his book. Oh no! It's but it it, it lines with Avengers, not okay. Okay. His book. His book. I have no idea. Dan Slot's doing his own thing. Gotcha. Um, that they. I vaguely remember in Avengers, one of the ones we reviewed at the end of it. He they find like a fossilized, not fossilized, but a very old uh, Iron Man helmet. Is that the journey? Because I think yeah, he, so he, he, he right. goes into that cave where it's found, and he's shot back in time, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And he comes back, um, having not understood what he saw because it had to do with his father and Mephisto oh. and all kinds of other weird shit. But he's he's in a very weird place. He's pretty self aware yeah. for modern right. dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, as as far as the rest of the story, um. This is real, real deep cut Avenger shit. Yeah. Like yeah. the Celestial yeah. Messiah, the Kotati. This Swords is pre Kree Scroll. Like all you before all you really needed to know was like they've been mourned for a thousand years. This goes to the origin of the millennial war and all kinds of stuff, which I thought was was kind of badass. I, I actually I because it's shit that I didn't know before. I really don't know anything about the Kotati and Same. So, so you know, I didn't know they were like. I looked it up. They're from like Avengers one thirty one or something. You know, it's yeah, a long yeah. Time ago. This yeah. is this is like if if this whole event is predicated on like real deep cut stuff, then I actually I actually find it a little bit more interesting. Yeah, because it's it's not the same conflict from before. It's literally like a really old one, which is uh, cool. Also, it touches on stuff that's deep cut for me, but probably not for Len. Right? Like this is it's got sort. This sword, what's his name? Swordsman. Yeah, I have no idea who that guy is, except that he trained Hawkeye and eventually went. I guess he was. I thought he was a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. He and it actually like that's him training Hawkeye. It's fairly like a recent retcon. That oh, like when he was around, he wasn't really training. He was just the swordsman, you know. Oh. And and his biggest claim to fame was his real biggest claim to fame was that he went off and married Mantis, um, which they allude to here in the story. Uh, and that was really it. And then he, I think he died and he came back from the death dead a couple of times to like help them. It's kind of like this doing that's machina in a couple of stories. But, um, I think this was probably the best use of, of him that I have seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and to Noel's credit, it's deep cut X Men, I mean, it's deep cut Avengers, but I like that the. They give you enough of the backstory so that you can catch up on the character without doing a whole big, you know, mm -hmm. info dump, you know, so that then it just it take it takes up too much of the book. They quickly get right back to the action um, and it's perfectly laid out. I mean, I, again, I can't I can't say enough about how well the art complements the story. Yeah, this is a perfect zero issue. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like it, exactly. It, it's it it gives you all the backstory you need. Sets up like a um, it teases at what the conflict will be, but then also sets up like the immediate conflict, which is potentially you know the Kree are coming to wipe this all out. And is that the Fantastic Four jet? Yeah, on with mm -hmm. it. So like you've got these instead of it just being kind of a fabricated 
um, conflict between heroes. It's literally they've aligned themselves with different mm. factions, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. The I, only thing that it was disappointing to me about this is you just hit it. It's a zero issue, which means that it's leading into yeah. an event, which means that now you've got to follow the event book, um, which means that maybe some of this will be seated in the Avengers the comic, maybe not. Um, no. I don't know what's going to happen. That's the only downside for me. Uh, well, this is also the third lead-in issue. Yeah. Are you fucking... yeah. Listen, there was incoming back in December... Then there was the Road to Empire, Kree Scroll War, and now there is um, Avengers Empire Zero, and yeah. then next up is Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four Empire Zero, and then will be Empire Number One. You're yeah. missing. You're missing yeah. some. Oh shit! Because Incoming some. was a continuation. <laughs> incoming was a bit of a continuation of Marvel One Thousand and One Thousand One oh, because shit. they seeded all that stuff. Uh, Oh, yeah. Marvel yeah. 1000, Marvel 1001, Incoming, yeah. mm. uh, The Road to Empire, Avengers Empire Zero, and eventually Fantastic Four Empire Zero. Now, it, the be- the good thing is, though, that they canceled about 25 tie-ins. Uh-huh. Oh, that is... I, we were- it, it, the, the checklist used to be like 52 issues or something like that, mm-hmm. or 50-something random issues. They got rid of almost like almost half of them. And it's not going to be in. It's not going to be in Avengers proper. There's going to be like a separate Avengers series, mm-hmm. but it is going to be in Fantastic Four proper. I think like two not issues a, of Fantastic a... Four. But I, I'm I am only planning on reading the the spine, yeah. the main series. Yeah. I, I like. I yeah. I'm not feeling 42 issues of of an event right now. Yeah, we reviewed. I think the the. A most previous one, you know, and I was like stoked. I'm like, all right, great. And then I started reading this. I didn't look at the number on the cover. And then when I got to the end, I was like, well, where's the, where's Empire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like let's, let's get it going already. You know? Now that, that all said, I like the book. Yeah. 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 I book. I didn't expect to like the book. I don't really care about Marvel cosmic. I don't care about the Cree. I don't care about the scrolls. And I certainly don't care about the, Kotati. The Kotati. I don't care about those guys, but I still enjoyed this book. And I I wonder how much of that is actually because of Pepe Larraza's artwork. Every page is is like a pleasure to look at. And that definitely um, hiked up my excitement levels a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can complain that uh, we haven't gotten to Empire yet, but I've actively enjoyed every part of it leading up to Empire so far. So I I also really enjoyed ideas in this. Like, I had no idea that it was that it was uh, canon that the scroll were this like great technologically advanced pacifist race and the Katati are cool, but that was actually from Avengers 131. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's a really cool idea and I loved being exposed to it. Um, but uh, you know, it's not a knock on this book. I just thought it was like uh, of interest. You know? Hey Brian, um, yeah. could you ask Alfred Pennyworth to turn up the lights in the Batcave, please? Well, so here's the thing, JD. I uh, I just realized that the well, I have a skylight, and I have little to no control over the sun or the clouds. <laughs> and um, but I'll tell you what, I'm gonna go. Uh, if that happens again, I'll go try to turn on another light. I doubt it will have any. I'll, I'll be able to turn it on. I have full confidence, but I don't know if it'll if it'll help. Uh, but JD, I have a question for you. I heard about 
There's a website called Patreon. Oh my know, God. Know anything there, about that? Do you have any sort of experience with that website? I do. Thank you so much. For this. You're so good at this. I love that. I always forget <laughs> to mention it and you're there to, you're there to hold my hand. Um, so if you guys want to help out the show, the reason we have this here is because of the Patreon uh, patrons who have been helping out. Uh, I was able to buy an arm to hold the iPhone so that you can see the book we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> also, I have a microphone, which is kind of cool, so you can hear my stupid voice. Um, so if you want to go and help out the show, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash Destructo. I also post all of my artwork there and sketches and thunder rounds that I do on YouTube. Thunder rounds. So, so uh, might I suggest when this is all said and done and available on YouTube, we put all the links down there below. Yes, I should remember to do that. Thank you. Yeah, uh, including all of our social media links and stuff. Uh, also, so the next the next goal for Patreon is to get Brian a lamp. So <laughs> if if you want to get Brian a lamp, just go to patreoncom Destructo. Just like a ten, a ten dollar John like this that just kind of yeah. look, dude. Literally, the next thing we're buying with Patreon money is is uh, probably a lamp for Len and for Brian. Oh, I, my lamp is already set up. The the bat base is probably about a good three weeks from being ready to rock and roll, and it's going to be a whole nother fucking experience. Don't worry nice. about me, dog. I'm good. I'm good, bro. Um, Dead Body Road, Bad Blood, number one from Image Comics by Justin Jordan and Benjamin Tiesma? Tiesma? Diamond has this to say. Brie Hale has left a lot behind in her life. Crime, the military, but she can't leave behind her own family. And when the local crime boss puts a hit out on her brother, there's nothing she won't do to save him. Absolutely nothing. Um, so this is Justin Jordan, friend of the show, Justin Jordan. Uh, he had done Dead Body Road, the original series. And this is a sequel series called D uh, Bad Blood, Chapter One. And uh, this is a crime story. So if you're into down and dirty, gritty crime dramas, this is right up your alley. The art looks lovely. Uh, very reminiscent of um, the guys whose name I always mess up. Lionel Yu. Lanil. Lanil Francis Yu. Uh, it's very much in league with that. Uh, what did you guys think of it, Len? Uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. I mean, there was some... Um... I mean, it's a crime book, and it definitely, you know, it's and it's like backwoods crime. So I'm like, all right, I'm, 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 I'm with it. Uh, it's got a little bit of a. It reminded me a little bit of a my first introduction to Jason Aaron, which was Scout. Uh, reminded me of that a little bit, um, which and that's a book that I that I enjoyed from beginning to end. Um, even though it's 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 a little problematic nowadays, but um, this book, uh, it was fun. It was fun. It was it was cool. The art was great. I was it was interesting. I didn't dislike the book, but I didn't fall in, I didn't fall in love with it as much as I wanted to. I really wanted to be invited into this world, and I felt that the art invited me invited me there. But overall, I don't think that the characters proved to be that interesting enough to make me want to say, you know what, I want to return for the next part of this story. Um, but as a whole because it's all set up you know like this chick and she's she's badass and she's a bartender and her brothers got messed up with the, with some dudes and he may have it it's all over the place some of the characters look similar enough to, to one another that i'm not sure who we are supposed to be with at at different times hmm. um i don't know it, it it just didn't do anything for me really i'm sorry fair enough no 
Uh, this is one of the, my favorite things that I've read of Justin Jordan's. Mm -hmm. This was great. I loved it. I loved it. I actually asked you to order the first series for me because I've never read it. Yes. Um, uh, this is awesome. Uh, I've, I've, I've never, I've not had, uh, I don't know. I've never really enjoyed some of his work as much as this. Uh, I liked the setup. The art was spectacular. Um, it did feel like a grindhouse version of criminal, which is mm. a super sweet spot for me. Um, I, 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 I have no complaints. I straight up love this. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really, really, I really like Christopher St. Saucy uh, poked his head in to say, he's the one who asked us to review this. Hey, look at that. It's dead body road, bad blood. There we go. Shout yeah. out. You're yeah. welcome. Relax. <laughs> um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. Brian, what did you think, buddy? Well, I'll tell you what, JD, I, it's my fault. I didn't realize we were reading this book. Uh, so I didn't read it. And I, Probably would be more on Len's side, given my general tastes. True. But, uh, the art looks really cool as you as you scroll through. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, my favorite my favorite bit in here is so we've got this badass bartender who used to be a criminal and uh, now she has left that life behind. And of course, her brother has gotten into some shenanigans, and uh, the crime bosses are looking for the brother. And um, They've obviously pulled up outside of your store there. Yeah, yeah, right. He's coming to get me. Um, so uh, what was I saying? Um, oh, so of course they send this guy, right? This this um, this Cutter. guy we've seen a ton of times who shows up. He knocks her unconscious. She wakes up. She's tied to a chair, and uh, he's like, "Ah, I I have to get uh, answers from you, but I sure do hope that you." resist and don't give me the answers because I really like to use pliers on people. Oh, aren't I devious? Mwah, 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 mwah. And then uh, she kicks the fucking shit out of him real quick. And that's that's what I liked about it. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, he, he, he does all this posturing, uh, which we've seen time and time again. And usually you go, oh, no, this guy's really up to no good. Uh, he's really going to try and get the information out of him and put the hurt on the person. And then she's like, nah, dog, uh, you're done. And so I, I thought that was a nice little turnaround. Yeah, there was, it was, um, it, for a first issue, it was an excellent level set, especially that conflict you're talking about. Um, she just makes short work of him. So uh, the escalation in issue one, I'm really excited to where it goes. This mm -hmm. is really cool. For sure. To Christopher, to Christopher St. Saucy, he left us a comment. Do you read the back of the book where it says that Justin Jordan is a big yes. fan of Justified? And I did read that, and I was a fan of Justified. Uh, uh, quick uh, plug, the theme song to that show, Justified, was produced and performed by Gangsta Grass, who is a bluegrass hip-hop band that uh, one of the triples, Super Tribble, Randy is a proud member of. So yeah, we're big fans of Justin. Oh, I had no idea. That is awesome. Yeah. 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 Our friend, the voice of reason. <clears throat> That'd be cool. So we're big fans of, of Justified and Tribal Nation. And I definitely could see his influence th that influence in this story. Um and like I said, I, I I just wanted to love it more. I think because I am a fan of crime books, when I I when I lock onto one, I'm looking for something that presents itself maybe as at least 
trying to be like a little different like the mm -hmm. criminal series i think does is different um I, I think back to straight bullets i thought was yeah. a, a different different vibe on it you for know sure I mean? and this one because i feel that justified influence there it doesn't feel 100 wholly original like the, i think that like really the last original great crime story that i read was the one that jd just had us read um four kids what is it four kids four kids uh, walking walk, to a bank walking to a bank which i loved i absolutely loved that book um and it was original original take on a crime story this one i just feel that I've, I've been here before i uh um i did a thunder round earlier this week but it came, and we're not going to talk about it but it came out this week you might actually like that texas blood which I, is I, yeah yeah I, I might check that out yeah uh it's very like the protagonist is a 70 year old sheriff it's a very different it's it's similar but different at the same time it's actually it was really good Lynn, you liked the banks didn't you did you you finish that right i do like iffy on that. i'm i'm iffy on banks because i don't i think that the story is good i don't think the art oh, okay. sells yeah. it right yeah, yeah. that's that's, that's yeah. the most disappointing thing that the art doesn't sell better art and that's a, that's a uh oh. mm. uh, can i derail this for 2 seconds this past week i like uh, a um uh, a TKO touchpoint this past week. I finally read Pound for Pound, mm. and it's awesome. Uh, I know JD had read uh, had read the complete Pound for Pound. It's the uh, yeah. It was it's so weird and great. It does. It feels like a uh, a Tarantino kind of fever dream. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really cool. It was totally worth reading, and I, I blew through it. It was a it was like a one sitting book. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah I, really, I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I got um, that. Um, all my TKO books are saved. I'm I'm going away in August, and that's the books I'm taking. I'm going away in like two weeks, and I'm I'm like I'm I'm slowly whittling the ten trades that I'm going to take with me. Like it just keeps changing, but I'm sure a TKO book is going to be in there. I, I need to finally read Sentient. It uh, it got um nominated for an Eisner. I, I went know. to go grab a copy of it, and I realized I'm sold out. But luckily, I ordered more from TKO. So. Uh, um, did my phone just die? I believe so. It just blinked out there. Anyhow, bow, bow, bow. Marvel. Oh, no, I did a phone call. That's what it is. Call decline. Get out of here, you jerks. Uh, Marvel snapshots. Captain America. Um, uh, by Mark Russell and Ramon Perez. Acclaimed writer Mark Russell. I just said that. And superstar artist Steve Rude. What? Oh, yeah. My bad. Old, old, uh... Oh, take us. Okay, so uh, and superstar artist Ramon Perez take us to Kirby Town for a literally explosive story of the madness-inducing Mad Bomb and its aftermath as the Marvel snapshot tour through Amer his Marvel Wolf tour through Marvel history continues. A gifted South Bronx teenager sees his neighborhood destroyed in the initial Mad Bomb attack, and his future up in smoke with it. What does he do when AIM recruits? Come calling? Does he stand by a system that's failed him or find a future outside the law? Featuring Captain America, the Falcon, Iron Man, and more. This was so good. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I have read zip, zero, zilch of the other Marvel's snapshots. I have not bothered to care about them. Uh, I Maybe I am wrong. Maybe I should go back and check those out. Because while I had no interest in this one, Noel was like, you guys should read this. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. And honestly, I had no interest in reading Marvel snapshots either. It's just, it feels like a silly ploy. Uh, but 
I really enjoy Mark Russell's work. So yeah. I will try things based on his name. And this paid off. This was a, it wasn't an enjoyable read, but it was a really interesting read. And I liked it a lot. And it was even more, it was, yeah, it was even more interesting when I, you know, was thinking about publishing and this was supposed to come out in April, meaning that it was written back probably at the latest in March mm. <laughs> and that it seems so kind of prescient in how youth is radicalized by hate uh, is really, really pr prescient. Yeah. Yeah. No, it felt, I, I was wondering, I was like, is it possible that they just wrote this and drew it? In, a, in like the last week. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's not true. No, they didn't. Um, Lynn, did you have any feelings? <laughs> yeah, he's got feelings. Why are you coming to me, man? Why don't you go to Brian? Because he's next to you in the... Hey, Brian, did you uh, have any feelings? I did. You know, uh, I've got to be honest with you guys. I had a bit of a different take on what we were doing. I thought we were just doing GL and Empire and Swamp Thing. And maybe we'll do some fun around. So I didn't get to that. And then this morning, I've read at this point, you may have seen me looking down just now. I'm at page 22. And uh, it's great. It's um, it's awesome. It's uh, incisive commentary thus far. Um, it, uh, you know, it, it feels very kind of classic Marvel, Silver Age, you know, which you guys know I love. And, um, it you know, it's philosophically thoughtful. Now I haven't gotten to the end of it. Hopefully it hopefully it does well. But um What do you think of the ending, Len? <laughs> yeah, Len. Hey Len, specifically Len. Why are you throwing why are you asking my opinions on this opinion podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to keep it light. Um <laughs> Yeah, this this uh look, okay. It's an interesting story and it's cool. And it, and it's great to see like like uh, aim you know uh, eternal jerks of the Marvel universe you know <laughs> recruiting this young black kid you know into the into their um, organization and the way that they do it by recognizing his gifts are is 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 um, very like. Noel said it's very prescient. The, the whole thing is, and the, this, you know, outsider view into the Marvel Silver Age is very, um, very Kurt Busick, who, while he yeah. didn't write this, he is the curator of these, of this line, and his, to me, his imprint is all over this, because this just, this book reads of Astro, his Astro City, which most of those the best Astro City stories are looking at, you know, snapshots of superheroes, be they in the future, be they in the Silver Age, be they in the Golden Age or whatever, but from an a different point of view, whether it be an outsider's point of view or um, the a the superhero's point of view, but from from afar. It, it, that is the best of Astro City. And this reads like an Astro City story a la via, via the Marvel Universe, which in whole is not bad, but to me, just didn't stick... It, because I'm a huge fan of Astro City, and I've read everything Astro City, this just feels like 
warmed over Astro City to me. I like it because it's a black kid. I'll I'll rock and rock and roll for this. It's very misleading that it's Captain America because he's maybe on <laughs> two pages of the freaking yeah. book, you That's know, and, and maybe he has three lines the whole fucking time. You want to talk about Iron Man not sounding in character? I don't know who the fuck is behind the armor in this one. It certainly <laughs> don't sound like Tony Stark. Um, and uh, you know, it features Iron Man, the Falcon, and Captain America and more. The more must be the shadows of other Avengers because I don't see any other Avengers in this book. So it's just very misleading. And again, an- another book that left me meh for the most part. The writing of it is good. The art of it is evocative and good. I, I like both Mark Russell and-, and-, and Ramon Perez. I like that together. But what it put together to me was I'm, I'm just going to go and reread a natural city story and and have a better time. Sorry. See, and that's why I asked you, Len, because you had already said this in the chat about uh, Astro City, and I did want to talk about Astro City a little bit. While I really like the writing of Astro City, the artwork in that book has never really mm. spoken to me. I just, it's, it's always more work for me than it should be to enjoy an Astro City story. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at the pages. But the writing I've always really liked. And there's something about those pastiches that I don't really, I, you know, I don't have the uh, history with those characters like I do the Marvel, the Marvel Universe. And so my thoughts of Astro City were, oh, this is great. I kind of wish it took place in a pre-established universe like Marvel or DC. Um, and so we're getting that here. And maybe that's why I'm enjoying it so much because it's like, oh, it's just like Astro City. And it's saying something important like Astro City always tries to do, but oh, it's it's within the actual confines of the Marvel Universe, which I feel more at home in and more comfortable with. Um, and also I think it's important for the Marvel Universe and for the DC Universe to tell these types of stories and delve into these types of things um, because they reach a wider audience than maybe Astro City does. Follow-up question, does Astro City still exist? I haven't seen an issue of Astro City in a long time. It does still exist. They he stopped doing um, putting the book out in single issues and now puts them out in just one big collection Thank because you. it was taking so time so long. And he has changed over his original artist. Well, you know, famously Alex Ross is the uh, costume designer of all mm-hmm. of Astro City and does all of the covers. So that's his partner on there. But for most of its run, Brent Anderson was doing the artwork. Brent Anderson, who let's be. To be fair, in the most probably over the last 10 years, and he's not a young guy and his age has been showing in his artwork. So I think that um, Busick has been trying different artists. And I think he's kind of like in search for a artist who can actually take on the story. The last couple of arcs have actually been under the pen of different artists. Um, So Dale Eaglesham. They always seem kind of similar, right? Brent Anderson. Uh, I mean, but it, Eaglesham draws the same guy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is true. That is. Also, true. if you want the book to come out, you probably shouldn't go with Dale Eaglesham. <laughs> no, now I'll tell you who he should get. If he if he really wants to get somebody, he should get. Um, oh God, I'm just drawing a blank on his name. I just drew a blank. He drew Justice underneath Alex Ross. Alex Ross oh. gets all the praise Kr- for it. Kruger. No. No, Doug no, Braithwaite. Doug Braithwaite. Doug, yeah. Doug oh. Braithwaite. That's who he should get to draw um, Astro City. The guy who you, did the seminal Universe X. Yes. <laughs> you guys had. You guys mentioned um, 
it sucks that, or Len mentioned, it kind of sucks that Captain America is not even really in this book. Um, to me, for the first 20 pages or so, he's actually the antagonist of the book. Mm. So um, from the perspective of this kid in South Bronx where, you know, the rest of New York is being cleaned up and taken care of. And on TV, you've got Captain America helping everyone else but them. And then pretty much declaring mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, he is the antagonist that you like it. It's this perfect storm of of how an incredibly smart, capable and and rational human being can be radicalized with opportunity by somebody like AIM. You know, like well, that's the part of the story that I loved. Yeah, I also think it speaks a little bit to, um, you know, you know, personally, my own naivete. And I think a lot of white people's naivete when Obama was elected and everyone went, well, not everyone, a bunch yeah. of people went, racism is solved, guys. We did it. We elected a black president. The nation stands. Mission accomplished. Um, and so I think that's I wonder if that's a little bit of like white liberalism um, being like, hey, guys, look, look, this, we're, we're fixing it. And then be like, well, you got the people who are actually being. Um, affected by it going, did we though? D did we, you know? Um, so mm -hmm. I think this book has a lot to say and I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, see, and, and I, and I think that those are good lessons. I just wish that that was in the Captain America book itself. Not yeah. saying that it's probably not in there. No, cause I'm not reading Captain America and I know you are. And you're about to tell me that it's actually in there, Lynn. It's I there. Mean, you need to I, be yeah, it up. I, well, I've been telling you why you're not listening to me. So <laughs> in there. I, I can't wait for you to read it. I can't wait for you to get caught up because Ta-Nehisi Coates is just killing it in the Captain America book. Uh, not only is he attaching, like attacking racism and, and systemic issues, but also um, like the incel power of assholes and, you know, toxicity, which is awesome. Um, so we had some thunder rounds planned, but I'm going to go ahead and skip those. If you want to see these thunder rounds that we're about to do, we're going to try and put them up on the YouTube page. So uh, as their own little segments, maybe Noel and I could do those. Cause I think over the, Oh, and Brian, did you want to do a thunder round? I would love to do a thunder round. Thunder round. Thunder round. <laughs> uh, but I have to open up my store in 15 minutes. So we're going to jump ahead to the book club. So while everything was COVIDing, uh, we decided uh, to do a book club every week instead of the regular spoiler alert podcast. And we kind of enjoyed doing it so much that we decided the last Sunday of every month, as well as some of this week's books, we would also talk about a pre predetermined book club. And I have always been wanting to read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing uh, from DC Comics. It, uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing, book one, which has issues 20 to 27 of Swamp Thing by Alan Moore, Steve Bissett, and John Totalbin. I have never read this. I grew up a big fan of John Constantine, and I always knew that Constantine got his origin or at least first appearance in Swamp Thing. That doesn't happen here, sadly. <laughs> but this is basically a horror book that takes place um, in the swamp. Um, and I've been thoroughly enjoying the Swamp Thing DC show, and I'm very sad that it has been canceled. Um, so, yeah. L Noel, hold up what you got. Hold up what you got, no. Is that the that's the absolute yeah. edition? Yeah. Is that the fuzzy one? Yep. Ooh. It's mossy, like Mossman from the He-Man action figures. They did a swamp thing. It was like an SDCC exclusive that I, I was like, oh, I want to get that, but it's like $50, so I'm not going to get it. 
Yeah, so I, I picked this up last year and read this um, around Christmas time. So, and then this uh, this is what the the first like two books. So I actually put my marker in where you guys stopped reading. Is Constantine to... book two? No. God, <laughs> God. God. No. I... So, Len, I'm going to throw it to you. Don't ask me why. Um, did you read this as it was coming out? Uh, no, because I'm not a I'm not a horror guy. Um, I knew about Swamp Thing, and he shown shown up in a, a few like of the books that I was reading around the time of his um you know that he was coming out. So I I knew of him, um, but I didn't follow it. But I heard amazing things about what was happening in this book, um, and me myself following the business enough to know that Swamp Thing was a like a fair to middling as far as sales wise to hear all of a sudden everybody's talking about Swamp Thing I was like oh okay cool that's that's great it just it just didn't speak to me um so I actually welcomed the opportunity to read this cuz this was my first time um checking it out as well and what what was your response to it this time um outside of feeling that Alan Moore I don't think has a firm grasp on the uh, American patois, uh, <laughs> as it were, um, for the most part, and that this is very early Steve Bissett and, and John Tattleman art. So, you know, it definitely has a beginner's feeling of these two um, artists who are definitely art, the like uh, artists, artists in nowadays. I actually, for the most part, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it, the, I thought the horror of it was more psychological, more meditative. Um, there was maybe a, some body horror there that didn't didn't skeeve me out too too bad or anything like that. Um, I love being introduced into the the world of Alex Holland. I it actually made made it makes sense. That, you know, no, he wasn't a guy who fell into a swamp and then became part of the swamp. No, he actually died. He actually, you know, um, died and decomposed into the swamp. And then the whole bringing like the whole biological science into it about mm -hmm. worms eating worms and, and learning their intelligence and that being how he more or less you know this plant took on the yeah. you know the the idea of alex holland um Did you know was, already len going I, just from general I, comics knowledge about like his I, whole like i don't i'm not alec I knew that he that somewhere along the line they said he was no longer Alex Holland and he was in fact the Green, but I mm. didn't. I never knew the explanation of it. Mm. So and reading yeah. that, I was, I was, I was there, man. I was, it was, it was, yeah. Floored me. I knew, I knew of you know, like you would hear the saying of like he's not a a man turned into a plant. He's a plant who thinks he's a man, kind of a thing. Right. But it, here it being explicitly. Um, kind of planned out or and shown that like even even the way that he's constituted himself, lungs mm -hmm. that don't work and and mm -hmm. organs that are that are hollow, it but really edible. was yeah, but edible. Which yeah. from wow. uh, there's there's a I like after reading this, I actually read some other Swamp Thing, other things, including Mark Russell's Digital First. There's actually a piece in there where. He gets like Swamp Thing becomes so frustrated with society and pollution and all kinds of stuff. He 
finds a way to every time he gets super angry or like massive amounts of hate, it kind of he rips it, it, it coalesces in one piece of his body, ah, mm, in his heart. He, he takes it out. He rips it out every once in a while and just kind of like so almost to like refresh his his uh his reboot himself like you know like i can't hold this hate anymore i'm gonna take it out and then like in the course of the story someone finds it and, and eats it to try and get his power but still like things that are things that happened in here are still being riffed on yeah 30 40 years later this is this reminded me uh about this reminded me of alan moore so yeah. i'm very i'm very I forget uh, having just read his more recent things and the very, very British things or the super high level things. I forget how pure of a storyteller he could be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and this was like a nice reminder of like, Oh, that's why he's great. I feel like I haven't had that in about a decade. Yeah. A, a nice reminder. And how, and how brave he is. Think about yeah. it. Probably, if I if I remember correctly, maybe the third or fourth issue, his third or fourth issue on this book. And mind you, this is his major introduction to uh, the American comic book scene. You know, he's a name over overseas, but this is really his introduction here. And on his third, maybe his third or fourth book, the the lead character is not even in the book for the most part. Yeah. He basically is the land that we're walking on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to, to have the bravery to do that, I thought was like, like, okay, bruh. I like I I see you taking chances. I'm I'm you're you're right. It's just a reminder of what all the hype was about this brother. Even yeah, so we had kind of talked about it in the chat a little bit, but the first issue is literally just like a, I'm gonna wrap up tons of shit because I don't care about this story. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's literally called loose ends <laughs> and he it's a, it's a one story. It's a one issue kind of like, this is what happened. This is this, this is this, let's resolve this. And then let's murder our main character. <laughs> and then it ends. And then his actual story begins of the, the nature of swamp thing. And, and Alec Holland, is he a man or is he a, a an idea? And yeah, honestly, and then there's a, I, I think this, it's an arc about, out a um a kid in a in a home mm -hmm. right like the yeah the 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 monster that feeds off fear and he right. eats it and Etrigan's there and stuff but um a lot of the things that showed up and if you guys continue to read this which I would highly suggest that you do a lot of the things that are introduced in that first and second issue still get played into mm. in the second half of this like the second book mm. including some stuff with Arcane and his family including um like real deep body horror stuff. And then also too, like what happens if you do eat a piece of swamp thing? Like it, it's, it's bug nuts weird, but it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like it felt like I did, did something good when I finished reading it. Like I'm glad I, I'm glad I checked that, that piece of literature off my list. Are you talking about saga of, or. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, you, when I left, you were talking about Mark Russell. Um, oh. So. Sorry, I had to go help a customer. Um, Brian, I, what did you yeah. think? We, we didn't really hear from B. What, Thank oh. you. Uh, so I was in kind of the same boat as some of you guys. Where So I, I bought my copies at a convention years ago because I was like, oh, I got to read this. Didn't read them. You know, so they've been sitting there. So I was real happy that uh, we selected it this week uh, or for this one. And I did already know about the big twist. And I 
I feel like I would rather not have known, you know, because uh, it's such a cool idea. And I, I don't remember how I found out about it. I don't remember ever being really surprised by it. You know what I mean? But I absolutely love that when he finds this out, he is happy, right? Yeah. It brings him peace, not the way more common, oh, I'm not a human. What am I going to do? Whatever. You know, it's like, oh, well, I am what he, I am. You know, I've he has he has to like meditate on it for a, uh, a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, too, there, like, if you at all are wondering what happened to the rest of Alec Holland's body, that's also touched on in the second half of this yeah, book. There are so yeah. many wonderful yeah. things that are seated in the first like seven issues of this. Mm. Keep going. This is just mm. super good. Interesting note, uh, by the way, the original trade paperbacks for this didn't have the very first issue of Alan Moore's run because the first issue was him wrapping up the previous uh, storyline and it was him just coming in and finishing it up before he actually got started on the next storyline. Uh, but now that you know, DC has done these reprints book of, you know, um, you know, books one through whatever five, four or six, I forget. Um, they've included the previously left out first issue. So I actually, that threw me for a loop because I was like, Oh, I'm going to read this. And I thought, well, I better just make sure I'm reading the same thing as all the other guys, you know? So then I went into the digital one and it's a different first issue. And I'm like, what's going on here? I think I prefer having read the issue 21 first, I think I like having that first issue being just like a wrap up. Yeah. Very yeah. familiar with how comics work. And it's like, all right, here, it sets the stage. And then you. Yeah. Move and it ends with him literally getting shot in the head. Yeah. Like it's, mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, it's an awful scene too. It's just like. Poof. Yeah. But like even as, even like when I first read that, like knowing that it's besides the fact that I knew that it was the beginning of a whole new arc at no point that I think, Oh no. Swamp Thing got sh the the vegetable man got shot. Yeah. Well, I hope he survives. It, I found myself thinking the same thing, and also like, why doesn't he just travel through the green? I right. think it's some stuff that like when he got shot. Other than general, you're not going to kill your main character. So, um, I think they may have been more surprised than we were. You know, I, I actually I read it as that murder that death. That was the death of, of the idea of Alec Holland at that point. Right. Like yeah. it was literally just that version of him almost just being reborn into what he truly was. Like he was, uh, it was no longer convincing himself. So it was almost just like, if he, if you believe you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. And it was being resurrected, revived, knowing that he is not the person. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think, and I think the trade actually without having read it without that story, I would imagine that the trade, even though I feel like you said, JD, about, you know, oh, my God, you don't really think he's going to die when he gets shot. But I think that the trade probably reads better by at least having one story where he still feels like he's Alex Holland wearing a swamp yeah. thing as yeah. opposed to actually because after that, he really pretty much is just the the green, the swamp thing. You know, so I think it reads maybe at least better for you having a story of him as like the guy swamp thing. Definitely to what he really is. I yeah. like how the whole thing with his humanity too, with the that scene, the later part of his dream where mm -hmm. he meets the planarian worms, which I have heard about elsewhere, and yeah, you know, real, sure real stuff. Accurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, too. The the panel layout is freaking amazing, mm -hmm. and uh, Max just noted it, but I was gonna say 
um, there is controversy. With, there's controversy with um, controversy. Controversy with this absolute edition because they recolored all of Bissett's art. Uh. So the whole reason why this book took forever is because if it was it was completely recolored, it was completely um, remastered mm. for the absolute edition. Wait a minute, what? Uh, find what page? Give me a page, and then I will find the. Here, uh, I'm on this one. <laughs> Can you tell me the number? Nineteen. But it's 19 within the issue, so it's not the 19th page. Yeah, but I could still kind of... Is that it? Gives no. me a reference. Hang on a second. Yeah, this is... It doesn't look the same at all. Oh, because that's the 19th page of the one with the whole extra issue in the beginning. <laughs> this is so confusing. <laughs> what oh, issue is it? Samuel oh, David says, hello, everyone. Hi, Samuel. Hey, Sam. Um, is oh action figure expert wants to know is vertigo even a thing anymore is it still around the answer to that is sadly no um anything that used to be a vertigo book is now a black label book so dc now does black label uh imprints as opposed to vertigo um are they the same kind of uh except i would say black label deals more with the main superheroes, whereas Vertigo was very much about the outer rim of the DC universe. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're the same at all myself. Mm. Oh, but wow. I mean, as far as like content. Right. Wow. I got to say, I, I kind of like the recoloring. I gotta, it's beautiful. I have that and I never opened it because that's my brain. I may have to open that up. The recoloring is beautiful. Everybody freaked out about it. Like the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, ultra purists who are just like, well, the discoloration in the yellow makes in the paper feel it's nostalgic. I'm like, yeah, but the preservation of art and the reproduction is great. So, and I have to say, uh, with regard to the art by Steve Bissett, I found myself many, many, many times wishing that someone else had drawn it the same way I feel about the early Hellblazer issues uh, by Jamie mm. Delano back in the eighties. Um, I have trouble with certain, com you know, 80s comic book runs because there is a very specific sort of art style that does not speak to me. I do not like looking at it. Um, I try to get around it in my own brain by saying, well, it's a horror book. So, of course, the art is designed to make it more uncomfortable as, uh, you know, to affect you more uh, emotionally, right? Um, but I think the coloring with this may be a very important element uh, taking a look at Noel's absolute because so much of the artwork is suggestive as opposed mm -hmm. to explicitly drawn. There's a lot of things where, you know, Steve Bissett does not actually draw an outline around a character, but everything is hatching. Um, mm -hmm. And so the background has a slightly different hatching than the foreground or the, you know, the person in the foreground. And the only way you can really de determine which is which is the colorist went in and went, this is skin color. That <laughs> back there is green. Yeah. There's a, there's a, for a lot of the, a lot of the in panel layouts and stuff, it's a, there's an ephemeral kind of feel to it. Yeah. Like what you're showing there. Um, yes. The colorist has a lot more control of how it's successfully it works or doesn't. Um, I loved it. I loved how I read it. I don't know if I would have loved it back then because it is wildly different from from comic book language, mm -hmm. uh, contemporary comic book language of the time. Yeah, but I, I think will, very evocative. But go, yeah, go ahead, yeah that's what I was just about to say that, JD. I would say, though, 
while I can see the coloring in the, the remastered coloring really selling that more, I think what you also, me reading this, remembering the time in which it came out, think that this is very evocative and it is different for the time. And it is, it's, um, it's trying to embrace what the, uh, the colors, the, the tool, the, the tools that the colorist has at its disposal at that time and maximizing that, that its use. Um, and, uh, it, it's the language is enough of traditional comics that I know what's going on yet. I can also appreciate that it's trying to do something different. My only fear is that because for its time, I do think that that coloring is pretty good and, and trying to say something different is that it's the remaster is not the same colorist. Are we missing, um, in, you know, a piece of their work? I think, who is that? Is that uh, Tatiana Woods that did the co coloring on that book? That's a great question, Lynn. It's, it's almost like um, the when they went back and digitally enhanced the Star Wars films. Mm -hmm. Wait, like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, um, they added things to the Star Wars films. They didn't just like recolor it and remaster it. They literally replaced True. things. They didn't replace anything here. Like they didn't oh, redraw things. They didn't um, add a scene or, or add panels to make it more modern. Like, like nobody minded in Star Wars when they got rid of the blur underneath the hover car that Luke was yeah. in. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, this is, this was is the... Thing on. I guess, cool. I guess I would just feel a certain kind of way if I was the person who colored this back in the day and worked really hard on it. And yeah. now to update it, y'all didn't, y'all didn't change any of the inks or anything, but yeah. you deleted all of my colors and then got someone else to do it. Thanks. Well, I think there's a practical issue too. Like they have to blow this art up to a, to a size that it wasn't before. Like it, it probably needed to be recolored. Well, I and I hear you on that, but like I said, I'm looking up. The artist was uh, Tajana Wood, I think, um, <laughs> whose name I've always read as a woman. I don't know if it is or not. Um, uh, that panel you showed before. Yeah, I mean, don't that's get me wrong. What it looks like now. That is, that's beautiful. Yeah, that, that is go. beautiful. But uh, I think that in the in the original comic, you know. The, the the colorist does their I mean look that's a wholly different that's a wholly different feel I yeah. I I, I, could, are I gotta I gotta be honest I I might side with the the purists on that one that that page right there is an entirely different feel mm. than what uh, the original because of the their use on the the gutters man I I, yeah, I may have to side with the the, the purists on that one man and it's not it's just that um it's Wait, just let that me see scene. The gutters again. Showing the page. Oh, they went all black instead of all white. Yeah. Just for this, hang on, just for this sequence, uh, the rest of the issue is white gutters. Hmm. Interesting. That is even more of a choice, though. Like they're yeah. changing something about it. I wonder why they did that. You know? so, yeah, because they yeah. had to put the outline on the A because they had to, they had to the color that A totally different. They had to put an outline huh. on that. Uh, the original series coloring is Tatiana Wood. The coloring for this edition is Steve Oliff and. Ali Optics. Steve Olaf from yeah. Spider Girl, the, the inker. I mean, I'm sorry, the artist. Sure. No, that's Pat Olaf. Oh, that's Pat Olaf. You're right. I'm sorry. Oh, I missed him. I wonder whatever happened to Pat. Yeah, see, and, 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 and I like Steve Olaf. I, I like what he does. 
And like I said, I can see that that's some great stuff being there, but I think you're you're losing what Tatiana Woods did here. Mm. I, I think I might side with the purists on this one. I mean, they they credit both. Mm. It's yeah. not, and she's not being erased. Her work's not being erased. They literally yeah. credit both. Her name's not being erased. Her work is being erased. Fair. Yeah. And there is a germ of her, like she originated it, so the new colorist is following after it, mm-hmm. but. It's you don't see her actual work. Uh, JD, there was a page you were sitting on, which was the uh, splash page for the one that Swamp Thing is mostly like communing with. Yo, that is my favorite page. This one, yeah, he is Swamp Thing is not drawn there, but it looks like he's there exactly. (laughs) So, what they've done is they've taken his facial features, how he's got those like really, really um, defined um, brow. Uh, and his right. eyes are so far receded, and he's got that weird, like, goatee facial um, composition. And they filled it with rainwater uh, mm. in order to make his face. And this is my favorite. Like, there's a lot of really great splash pages in this. Um, I was talking to my wife about it, and I said, it seemed like the artist really saved all the detail for any time Swamp Thing had to be drawn. Mm. Um, because all of the Swamp Thing uh, close-ups are really disgusting and really um, organic looking um, and very uncomfortable, but really well rendered. Mm. Um, But yeah, I love this where you can see his face is created just because it's filled with water. Um, Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. I was about to. Yeah. Recolored. Oh, now look look at it. Hold it up. So hold up. Oh, that's nice. That is nice. Although a little more defined than the other one, which usually is good. But I think I kind of like it as like, because that's the theme of the issue is that he is spreading out into, uh, you know, this kind of peaceful acceptance in the green kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. I kind of like the high def. All right. I mean, I yeah, totally see it. As far as the story is concerned, I, you know, this is one of those things that I put off and put off and put off. And uh, I knew eventually I was going to have to get to it. A la Sandman. It's one of those things that I maybe dabbled in back in the day and I just couldn't bring myself to care mostly because of the artwork. Um, and also I just kind of bristle at, at Alan Moore these days. Um, his name is not something that makes me want to read something. Uh, word of mouth works better than the name Alan Moore. Um, there's plenty of things that I haven't read of his and will probably never read of his. Um, there's just something about him that doesn't speak to me as either a creative or as a human. Um, but this, this I thought was really well done. It's a really solid horror story. Uh, I'm definitely going to continue the, to read the rest of it. Uh, if this was coming out in issues, I wouldn't be reading it. Um, the fact that it's all done and everyone tells me how great it is is what keeps me moving. Um, but yeah, if this if I was reading these sorts of books when I, and I was a kid, um, I don't think I would have bought it in single issues. What did you guys think? Like, you're you're enjoying it, but would it keep you on a month to month basis? Today. Yeah. Like as a reader today. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Reading the first issue, I would have been like, oh shit. And I, I would have kept reading for you now to, for a horror issue to issue. Right. Yeah. No, it's not a common thing. However, um, when I like one, it's, it's, it's all in. So like uh, when one issue grabs me of the, the genre, then I'm, I'm down. So like um, basket full of heads, when I finally read it, I was just like, I'm reading this whole thing. Yeah. Um, plunge. I'm super enjoying in single issues. But the more um, uh, vaulted ones like um, Lolo Woods and the Dollhouse family, 
they're a little too um, wait for tradey. Like it's it's not very single issue for me. Not very single issue friendly. It's more of a absorb it all now. Mm. But this is so the breadcrumbs are so delicious <laughs> that I would follow it monthly. Um. Oh, we didn't talk about the villains. Um, the Floronic Man shows up, and I really liked his evolution. Uh, they really sort of leveled him up quite a bit. Uh, I don't know a lot about that character before this, but even just within the confines of this series, they take him from one level, and they whoop, right up to another level. And yeah. that, the way they wrap it up in the way that they introduce the Justice League into this storyline is hilarious. I laughed out loud at the end, um, where he's trying to convince the Justice League <laughs> I'm a human who does human things. I broke my arm doing completely human things just like you would. Um, really, really fun comedic bit that I wasn't anticipating. And um, then we get Jason Blood, uh, who is Etrigan the Demon. And that was a nice surprise. Although, I must confess, I'm not one for poetry. So I had a lot of trouble reading the demon's uh, cadence. Well, Alan Moore does it like no one else. As in, he actually tries to write full poems whereas most right. writers are just like i just need to rhyme a couple of words yeah. <laughs> uh so like like this is a this is a um this is like a 19th century poetry mm -hmm. at as opposed to a you know riddle poetry or riddle yeah. uh yeah i was with you jd on the i i thought alan moore did it way better than than some i was reminded of speed demon from the amalgamation of comics yeah. from a few weeks ah. ago uh but um Never reminded me. At the end, eh, uh, the rhyming was uh, uh, the whole thing. But uh, anyway, the uh, the rhyming was pretty good. But I had a I had a hard time doing the cadence of it. You know, yeah, it, yeah, I yeah. I couldn't find the voice. I couldn't like. There's yeah. a lot of times you read the demon, um, and you're able to be like, bop it up, it up, a do. Yeah, yeah, do, 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 and you yeah. can sort of like find the cadence of it. And I was just like, wait, I had to reread some of his dialogue, and eventually. I skimmed his dialogue. Yeah. Although I did like the big splash page when they're like, and, and the rhyme associated by demons driven. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. I found myself also, he gets to a point where he's about to say necessary, but he gets interrupted. And I'm like, wait a second. Can he do that? Is Isn't he allowed? That? Yeah. 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 Doesn't, uh, doesn't some magical force make him, <laughs> make him say the rest of the word in the same way that someone says uh, out loud to me, okay, here's the situation. I do the entire DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Uh, parents just don't understand from com to completion in my head. It's right. not out loud. Now, JD, here's the situation. You know, when my people say on a week's vacation, <laughs> when people say in West Philadelphia, born no, born have, the whole thing yeah. happens in my head yeah. because <laughs> you'll be watching the news locally, and it's just like yeah. West Philadelphia today. And I was, I was like, born and raised. <laughs> um, I was a little thrown by, so I see a guy with reddish hair and a white streak. And I was like, oh, it's, it's probably Jason Blood. And then he, he's not acting very Jason Blood-like. And he says, oh, it, the devil checked in. And I was yeah. like, oh, it's not Jason Blood. It must be the devil. be Jason Blood, you know, which was odd. Yeah, it must be the devil. That was what I was led to believe. Although I liked the bit at the end. I've never seen it with Hedrigan before, where he's like, we used to be very different and constantly at war. And we made a deal where we would become more similar to each other and be at peace. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, it was just an interesting idea. It doesn't work out so well for Jason. I really I, liked, I really liked Matt Cable in this uh, cable, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
uh, Abby's husband, mm. his whole thing was creepy as hell, and mm. I loved it. Mm. He's he has some sort of um seated ability mm. to to see or or manifest little things, but then that's kind of hijacked by a monster demon voice in his head and dies and but it, it the next arc after this is just awesome but that one that one uh that one issue of like nasty husband mm. and then a car accident and you don't really know anything about it like the shots from inside of his mouth with the tooth and it was all awesome yeah. I, I really liked this this like slow burn in the background of like oh a villain's being born yeah cool mm. yeah. um Action figure expert says, who is better, Swamp Thing or Man Thing? Discuss. Uh, Swamp Thing, because I, oh, and then he says, smell you later. Um, and, oh, I see, because he's doing the Fresh Prince. Hey, home, smell you later. Um, I don't know anything about Man Thing at all, other than he who knows fear burns at the touch of Man Thing. Man, um, man Thing, the, the only thing that Man Thing has on Swamp, Swampy Boy is, uh, he exists at the nexus of all realities. Like he's able to create portals for travel to and fro. Yeah. Lockjaw. And they were, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's dimensions. It's not just like, I want to go to the store. Like it's, (laughs) it's the nexus of all realities. I think they were created by roommates too. Like the two people who created yeah. them were roommates at the time that they created them. Yeah. Yeah. Parallel thinking. <laughs> Wait, so what did, uh, Len, what did you think about the issue to issue question? We stopped midway and you're the next one on my screen. Oh, um, I, I wouldn't read it issue to issue one. I'm not a horror guy Two, I don't give a fuck about the swan thing. Um, <laughs> but, I could see if I was into Swamp Thing, I would enjoy this. Mm. Um, uh, I think I would definitely wait for the collected issue. If I were going to buy it, I wouldn't. It's it's a little bit too. I kind of just want to get the whole story. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, But I also am like JD. I think that there are times when the art, and mind you, I'm give, I'm being forgiven because I know where Steve Fassett lands as an mm. artist. Mm. But this is very early Steve Fassett, and some of his artwork is a little rough. Um, you can tell where he's taking his time on some places, and sometimes he's like he's up against a deadline. Yeah. Um, so that would keeps me out of it a little bit. Um, the story is what maybe ho- helps it whole coalesce together and to his to his credit even though he's rushing he's not forsaking the layouts or mm. the attempts to do something different so um, i wonder if this is one of the early examples of layouts being played with come to think of it i was wondering about that yeah. too because it, it very on you've got like the different motifs of like like the uh like little like birds at the, at the top mm-hmm. of the pages and the bottles yeah. spilling into the so- panels yeah. So it's funny you mentioned like where Steve Bissett lands because even just in the the back half of this absolute, um, the panel layout becomes redonkulous mm. uh, to the point where it starts to change aspect ratio, mm-hmm. and then the mm-hmm. next couple scenes are landscape. Well, J. H. Williams has said that like, Steve this Bissett is, this is a huge insane. is a mm. huge um, influence on him, and you can see it. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, oh, like J. H. Williams. Yeah. yeah. I uh, 
It reminds me of that one uh, uh, Court of Owls story where you have to turn the page all around while Bruce Wayne is like losing his mind. Yeah. So was- I have the absolute to eventually reread that. I have no yeah. idea how it's going to read like a giant. <laughs> if anything, I'm just going to lay it down flat and start to walk around the table. <laughs> that makes no sense. I, uh, I I think I probably would. I am reminded of like early Vertigo. The art is is really loose, but I have like a nostalgic feel for it you know not just vertigo but in general i think i probably would pick it up if it was issue to issue there's i'm not really a big horror guy but sometimes with things like this that i i don't see it as trying to scare me it's just kind of dealing with those characters and themes and whatever then i am a big heart you know like sandman is one of my favorite things i love buffy the vampire slayer you know that kind of thing um so yeah i think i'd pick it up issue to issue and uh and see what was cracking Crackalackin'. Indeed. Um, I actually did read Swamp Thing monthly when they rebooted it for the New 52 with uh, oh, Scott Snyder. I read yeah. that and Animal Man by Jeff Lemire side by side, and I really enjoyed both of those. Ooh, talking about panel layouts. Travel Foreman on the Animal Man beginning was, like, second to none, in my opinion. It was he, stuck, he stuck around for a while, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah, like the first big chunk of that yeah, yeah. Is, is Travel Foreman. Yeah. Now, do you guys know the uh, sort of Swamp Thing Sandman connection? I won't say it if you don't. I'm just curious. I if... do not know it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. I know JD. You've read a little of of Sandman, and that's yeah. the only way I know it. Or maybe I read it on Wikipedia, so I didn't remember if they spell it out in Sandman or not. It's it's uh, as far as I know, just kind of like a cool connection. Not not necessarily that important to either story. Can you spoil it? Yeah, I don't care. You guys don't care? No. Because it might spoil something about Swamp Thing. I don't know, because I only know it from Sandman. You sure? Yeah, we're talking like 35, 40-year-old stories. It's okay. Yeah, we're good. Len, I'll take you not screaming no as an ascent. Matt Cable is Sandman's raven. He must at some point not be in you know uh this plane anymore and and i think it's kind of like a hey make up for things kind of thing and he and he learns to be better um he's not a huge he's not a huge character arc or anything like that in sandman but he's his like his constant companion his like that's cool yeah yeah i thought it was pretty cool shared universes or because i do know that um i do know that sandman eventually uses like Martian Manhunter and shit, but then they just kind of forget that that happened and don't touch. So yeah, here's the thing with Sandman is that when he was writing it, I think he has also said he didn't really know what he was getting into at first. So the first seven issues or so they said, Hey, reboot Sandman, this Wesley Dodds character, make him a new guy, you know, like the guy with the mask and everything. And he's like, okay, cool. So he sets it in the DC universe and you can see that Morpheus, you can see little hints that it's going to be in the DC universe. He's like, ah, these these new kind of humans that have arisen since I've been away, I'll have to keep an eye on them. He doesn't, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's always set within the DC universe, but more like the DC universe is set within it. That well, you get little, like, eye. what's that? He, showed up, he did keep an eye because he showed up in Dark Knight's Metal. Oh, the Endless. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, but and also cool, I haven't gotten to that yet. But um, 
he like there's a there's one like little cool references that are if you know what it is in in DC then you'll know it or a little joke where it's like they're all dreaming and and Batman and Superman are like hey do you ever have a dream where you're in a TV show and and Superman's like yeah yeah I've had that dream and Martian Manhunter's like I never I never had a dream like that <laughs> you know um so anyway so that's what he's doing and then it it totally changes you know, from all of that. But Constantine is in Sandman Volume 1. And, you know, they are technically in the same reality. And so, you know, Matt Cable, that's mostly where I know him from as Matt the Raven. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That was, not only was that not a spoiler, it was uh, something to make me more interested in reading stuff. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And and the art, too. The the artist on that has said he felt like Jimi Hendrix playing with the Beatles for the first oh. one. Simon Dringenberg, I think. And yeah. once he leaves, the art takes off. That was Basically. Sam Keith, wasn't it? Oh, maybe it was. And then Simon Dringenberg is the other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I'm kicking and screaming towards Sandman. I don't know why. It Same. Just, Same. I don't I don't want to read it, but I know that I should or have to. Issue um, eight. That's where it becomes. Sandman. No, that that makes me hate it more. I, me, I'm sorry. Let me, let me get I, I just like I, I emotionally hate that argument where you have to skip things and or power through things in order to enjoy something like. Yeah. I mean, it's not an argument. It's just how it is. Like this is. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. That debate. You know, when people are like, "The second season is amazing. Just power through." I'm like, "No." Oh no. yeah, no, I'm not telling you to power through. I, for whatever reason, the first volume wasn't available, and I just read it. They know there's a prose introduction that tells you what's what. Yeah. Volume two, and it's volume two is volume one in many ways. You yeah. know. Yeah. But I hear you, and it's become so much more common nowadays. You know, Although, I really enjoyed it in volume one, you know, so uh, he has been I like the story of how the endless what's his name Morpheus has been trapped for so long mm -hmm. uh, and who he was trapped by and then what happened to his different artifacts and how he goes to seek mm -hmm. out those artifacts to regain his power. I think all that stuff's really fascinating. Um, it took me two times of reading that first volume to give a shit. Mm -hmm. uh, but now I'm glad that I give a shit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, thank you so much, guys. Uh, I think for next month, didn't we decide, uh, Christopher saying saucy goodnight had asked us to do a atomic robo storyline. Um, so why not? Let's do that next. Um, saying saucy, remind us which volume that is that you want us to read of atomic robo. Cause I've, um, I've been your host, Johnny Destructo. You can go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo and help us out. You can go to JD's hero complex shop and buy some of the trade paperbacks that I have here in my store, which is Johnny Destructo's hero complex at 4327 main street, Philadelphia, PA. Len, where can the people find you? Hey, you can find me, uh, any place at every place that you find the black tribbles podcast. So you can check me out on blacktribbles.com on all social medias, the black tribble. We got a Patreon, black tribbles, tribble nation, Facebook group, black tribbles, black tribbles, black tribbles, black tribbles, black tribbles, holla at a tribble, holla, 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 holla. Brian. Uh, I am on brianleadesign.com and, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll be one of the Brian leads that comes up if you do a Google search. Brian no uh you can find me on social media on twitter at mr bartocci m-r-b-a-r-t-o-c-c-i any of the podcast uh, the the social media feeds for cult pop and we'll put links in the video yeah and oh by the way book club uh we have every other week and the alternating weeks we do movie club uh, at my store uh but it's on zoom really so it's not at my store um this wednesday night at eight o'clock we're gonna have a zoom meetup 
to talk about Sorry to Bother You. Um, Great movie. That's a fantastic movie. 2018 by Boots Riley. Thank you. Uh, So if you want information on that, hit me up and I will send you the Zoom link and you can hang out with book club people. Uh, There's like, I don't know, 15 of us. Um, All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us and we will talk at you later. I'm going to go run my comic book store. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is